Assalamu alaikum. You are listening to Tech Sisters Stories. Tech Sisters is a community that supports Muslim women in tech through storytelling and sisterhood. My name is Grace, and I get to interview the amazing women in our community. But today's episode, it's just going to be me. It's just me and you. We did an episode like this a little while ago, and people seem to like it. So here we are again. I'm laughing because these feel really awkward for me to record. But alhamdulillah. I'm glad we get to do this. Just one announcement before we get started. The Tech Sisters Community Health Survey is live. It's very exciting. I am loving the results that we're getting so far. So if you are a Tech Sisters member, please, 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 please follow the link in Slack or the email that you would already have gotten and do the survey so that we know that Tech Sisters is serving you. We know where we're falling short and we'll know how to improve. Inshallah, it'll be a huge help. Thank you so much. Now, for today's show, we're going to be talking about how to thrive as a Muslim woman in tech. This is something that comes up in the mentoring, in the membership forms, and it's mixed in with a bunch of other issues. So it's people who are worried that they're looking to transition to technology and they're worried if this is a safe choice, you know, because we hear about the toxic workplaces, especially because Muslim women typically occupy more than one marginalized identity. They're worried about how I'm going to learn the skills because there's no one else like me in my computer science program or in my boot camp. I'm the only hijabi there. How am I going to network when I'm going to a conference to make personal connections and no one else is like me? That was actually one of the reasons I started Check Sisters. Am I going to have enough flexibility? Am I going to have enough room for advancement? Where are some red flags that I need to look out for so that I can avoid going into a toxic workplace? Where are the things that I need to look out for in the interview? So that's all at like the beginning of your career when you're looking to transition to tech or to get into it. And then there's the midpoint, which is where it gets really, really dicey. So it's, I'm in a toxic culture. How do I get out of it? I'm tired. I'm tired of fighting to keep my place at the table. And I feel bad mentoring juniors who are going through the same things that I went through and nothing's changed. There hasn't been any tenable changes. So what this episode is going to focus on is first of all talking about why we even need these specialized groups, why a group like Tech Sisters or like Muslimic Makers or like Black and Data or you know, all these other niche groups. Why is it important? And then the next thing, we'll talk about the pipeline and why this idea has been misinterpreted so much, misrepresented, and what is actually happening and why the numbers of marginalized groups in tech is so bad. And then we'll talk about strategies that you can take to reduce harm. There's not going to be any quick fixes. There's not going to be any permanent fixes because I think as anyone who's been doing this for a while knows the pace of change is glacial. So the focus is preserving your health, preserving your mental health, so that you are less likely to burn out and give up and quit if that's something that you don't want to do. Okay, does that sound good? Great. I'm excited. So yeah, let's get into it. So why do we even need a group for Muslim women in tech? 
Funny enough, I saw a tweet about this on my timeline just as I was writing the outline for today's article. <laughs> it's something people wonder about. There's so many niche groups. Why do we even need this? And I'll start with a quote <laughs> talking about the importance of feeling valued and seen. And this is by Kedra Chani in her book, Invisible Burnout in Tech. For marginalized workers in tech, women, people of color, queer and trans people, people with disabilities, tech burnout comes quicker and harder. It comes from existing and being pressured to thrive in a space where your presence is seen as an aberration and your skills are perceived as suspect. It's a burnout not easily solved by quick fixes or even a new job. It's triggered by your own life, the very body you inhabit. I think what that is saying to me is just by being ourselves, we're going to be experiencing the stigma. We're going to experience a certain level of pressure and difficulties that other people don't experience just because of who we are in the spaces that we're occupying. It's important to feel validated. It's important to feel seen and heard, to know that your experience is shared amongst other people, that you're not alone. And that's why there are niche groups. Any person that's different from the norm of the environment that they're in is going to get worn down over time. So it's important to prevent that by forming connections with the people who get you, the people who know where you're coming from, the people who understand your background, the people who get your values, people who know why you want to do certain things in your life. Like you don't want to explain over and over again why you wear hijab, even though it would make things easier if you didn't. You want to talk to people and have a support network that isn't going to even ask that question because they just get it, right? And so now I'll get into some diversity stats, which I think we all know are going to be pretty bad, but it always helps to talk about it just to put it out there. I'm not going to dwell on these. So 41% of women leave technology after 10 years of experience. So that's, you know, almost half of women. <laughs> that's, think of all the work that you put in getting to tech, you know, getting your CS degree, you're teaching yourself how to code. 10 years later, nearly half of women drop out. Almost two thirds of boards and more than 40% senior leadership teams have no female representation at all. But just eight and a half percent of senior tech leads are from a minority background. And but like I mentioned earlier, minority women are at the intersection of a lot of different identities. It's not unusual that one woman can find herself in a tech company as the only woman on her team, the only person of color on her team, the only Muslim on her team. The only person who dresses the way that she does, the only person who prays, sometimes even the only married person, the only mother, the only immigrant, the only person from a different socioeconomic background. So subhanAllah, we're different so many ways over. And so the microaggressions that come from just one of those differences can be compounded. And I think that's kind of a natural lead into why burnout happens. And it happens quite frequently and consistently. But there's also this, the idea of the digital gap and why it's important to stay in tech. If we're not part of being what's developed 
we're not part of being what's built. It's going to be used against us, whether that's intentional or not. And there are lots of examples of how technology was developed with no women or no people of color on the team to check the assumptions. And even if their intentions were fine, because the bias was, was embedded in the code, those algorithms and those products that are a result of that are going to be inherently biased. Once bias is introduced, it's going to become, especially in AI, once it's introduced, it becomes self-reinforcing. That AI is going to look for the same patterns over and over again. And something that was an unintended bias will be deeply embedded. It's really hard to get that out. So we talked about why this group is needed. Which I hope, if you're listening to the podcast, I hope you feel it's needed anyway. <laughs> I hope you feel drawn to Tech Sisters. Our whole purpose is sharing stories, making people feel seen and validated. So I hope you get that already. The next bit is this whole pipeline thing. We are talking about how women drop out after 10 years. Why does that happen? When companies look at their diversity stats, usually their go-to response is that the, the pipeline is broken. <laughs> And that we need a lot more people funneled into technology at early ages. And so there's a lot of funding for, for school programs and boot camps geared towards getting women and minority groups into technology so that they can get started and learn how to code. So you have more bodies getting into the tech field. But the toxic tech culture is the main reason why people drop out of tech. It's not because there's not enough people going in. There's plenty of people going in. There are lots of junior developers. There are lots of people learning how to code, but there aren't so many senior women developers. And that's because of this toxic culture. These stats are from a recent article about the recent wave of attrition. So people quitting because of the COVID pandemic and they're looking at the motivations of why. Also, although the resources and the stats that I'm using, I'm going to put them in the show notes. In this article, they're talking about why the talk corporate culture is the main reason why people drop out of tech. Culture is 10 times more important, more of a driving factor than compensation. And I think we especially see it in our field where it's common for, it's not unheard of <laughs> for people to get a very high compensation, but the culture is still incredibly toxic and damaging. And it's not worth it. Another factor is these companies, they fail to promote diversity, equality, and inclusion. So DEI, they talk about it a lot. And they have published goals, but there's no real action. There's no tenable change. The workers feel disrespected and there's unethical behavior. And I think that on the focus on ethics is something, again, that's going to really hit home for our audience in particular. For this group of Muslim women, because ethics is, we're working for ethical companies, is a big part of, of how people make their decisions and what they want in their careers. We see women coming into the field, wanting to provide for their families in a way that's aligned with their religious beliefs. So it's really important to work for a company that's ethical and that's aligned with their values. And they feel like they don't have to compromise their deen and their spirituality to get work because if that if it comes to that and if they have the option and the freedom to make that choice they're going to leave 
So there we are, back to the pipeline. So we have lots of people coming into the pipeline, but this toxic culture is driving people out. Now, how does that happen? So you start in, you have lots of people funneled, happy. <laughs> They've learned how to code. They built their websites. And then it, the pipeline starts to leak. It starts to leak when marginalized tech workers experience workplace pressures. And this can be very demanding schedules, really, really late hours, hostile work environments, culture where abuse, discrimination, microaggressions, and imposter syndrome and stereotype threat are widespread. So somebody would come in through the pipeline and they start experiencing these things in the workplace and leaks start to happen. So these are small leaks. And then those small leaks, <laughs> they build up over time. And then there's a gush when women who become mothers go on maternity leave. It's much harder to come back and to face that environment while balancing being a mother at the same time. And if you talk to somebody like we have, we've had on the show as well, and you can listen to the episode. I'm not saying that she still has to fight for her seat at the table, that she worked so hard to make her own seat. And after all the accomplishments that she has, she still has to fight to keep it. A lot of women feel like there's an extremely slow pace of change. It feels very tiring. It feels very dispiriting every time you encounter a negative a microaggression and you complain about it and nothing happens and then it happens again. That makes it really hard to continue on. And when we look at those challenges, that workplace culture, it will trigger a flight or fight response. And that's where the leaks happen. So people who are choosing to, and it's a valid choice to get out. And then the people who stay in, they're making a choice to fight, but fight for now. They'll have to keep coming back and reevaluate that choice at regular times in their career. Not every day, but every couple of months. You have to keep making that decision. And each time you do, that's wearing you down a little bit more each time. If you're in a position where you are making that choice, you're making that choice to fight for now, let's get into some techniques to help reduce harm so that you're not burning yourself out, so that you can keep going, so that you're not piling it on. Before we get into it, just to be super clear, it's okay to leave. That is totally valid. If that's what you want to do, that's absolutely fine. And we support you. It's okay to leave. And it's okay to feel like leaving isn't an option, right? And a lot of people don't have the freedom of choice. And that's okay too. And if you need support, Texas is here for that as well. One of the top things to help you survive in tech, to help you reduce the harm, that you're going to feel just by being different in your work environment and to have a strong, thriving personal network. This is people who get what you're going through. You're people who share your values. This is what we were saying before. People who share your values, people who you don't have to explain yourself around them. They just get it and they can jump right in and help you with the problem. And this is tech sisters, right? This is what we are all about. This is the whole purpose. So groups like this, having a strong personal network. It's good for shared commiseration. It's good for venting. You know, you're not looking for a specific solution, but you just want to tell somebody what happened <laughs> without uh, you having to explain everything. 
and without and in safety without worrying that's going to come back and bite you. In these groups, you're going to get advice based on other people's lived experiences. So two people can experience a very similar microaggression, but the advice that you get will be coming from a place of shared values, but from somebody who's further down the line and, and understands where this is coming from and understands the bigger picture. It's another reason why mentoring is really important. And again, it's, it's knowing that you're not alone, that other people have gone through, are currently going through, and will go through a very similar situation that you're in right now. And even though it's not great, <laughs> knowing that so many people are experiencing a negative thing, it helps, it helps to feel that you're not alone. I think one of the most damaging things about being the only at work, being the only woman, the only person of color, the only Muslim, et cetera, et cetera, is when something happens, you don't have anyone to talk to and you can doubt yourself. You can doubt if that thing that happened was okay or not. Another benefit of a personal network is having access to the Whisper Network. A Whisper Network warns you about sources of harm and where they are. And this can be people, places, employers, events, anything like that. It doesn't remove the harm, but it helps you to make an informed decision about where you're going to put your time and energy. And it's also very important to mention, I think, that a personal network is very good, it's very strong. It does a lot to reduce harm, but it doesn't do everything. So if you're able to, and if you feel like you need more specialized support than what your network can give you, then I would encourage whoever wants to, to look into therapy or coaching. And it's not available to everyone. You know, there is a stigma, there's a cost, but this is your mental health. This is investing in you and taking care of you so that you are better able to face the challenges that you're already going through. So yeah, it is worthwhile. If you're able to do it, if you feel like you need it, then definitely look into it, inshallah. Okay, we're talking about reducing harm. We're talking about personal networks. The next part is having firm boundaries. Just by existing, like we said, it's already hard. Why are we adding to it? If there is something that comes up, only say yes if you actually want to do it. Don't say yes because you feel like it's going to get you a reward because it probably won't. Don't say yes because you feel like people are expecting you to. They might, but it doesn't matter. Only say yes if you actually want to do it. So if it makes you feel good, if it enriches you, and if it makes you feel like you're helping people. So, like Tech Sisters, <laughs> running Tech Sisters, and I've heard this from other community leaders, and I've also read this about people who do diversity work. It's, you know, I'm certainly not getting paid, and it is hard work to do this on top of everything else that I do. But Alhamdulillah, I always have the outlook that I'm doing this. I'm not expecting any reward for it. I'm always doing it with the outlook of helping people, of this being a Sada Kajari. You know, I feel like I got a lot of support. I feel like when I was getting into technology, 
I had so many people that were being answered. So my intention with Tech Sisters is to be the answer to other people's duas, inshallah. So that's where Tech Sisters is coming in. That's why I'm doing it. And that's why, even though it is a lot of work and, and sometimes it does get pretty draining, I'm okay with what I've agreed to because it, it is something that I feel is important to me. If you're presented with something and you don't feel that way, <laughs> if it is making you feel tight inside, if you have that funny feeling and it's not filling you up with joy, it's filling you up with something else, say no. Diversity work is push on underrepresented employees who are already harmed by diversity-related issues. It's expected that you're going to do this on top of your normal work. You're usually not rewarded for it, and it distracts from your professional accomplishments. So only agree to things if you want to. Don't take on things just because people ask you to. We talked about the personal networks. We talked about having firm boundaries. And the last bit is how to reduce harm at work, which is the most difficult thing to do, but it can have the biggest return on your investment. And I think it helps to start off with accepting that you're not going to be able to change everybody at work, right? You're not going to change your work culture just by yourself. So it's evaluating the things that are in your control to change, accepting the things that you can't. And because this is Muslim women in tech is leaving the rest to Allah, right? Having peace and tranquility in his plan and having that carry you through. So when you identify the things that you can actually change, then it's like a sort of experiment. It's like questions to ask yourself. What do you what do you want in your job? What can you change? What has worked for you? What hasn't worked? Where do you need more data to make a decision? And the kind of changes that you might want to make, it could be changing the company that you work for, the kind of work that you do, where you live, any of these things. So working remotely might be an option. You can also look at the size of the organization that you work for. Some people thrive in very small teams and some people really need a big company. The amount of holiday time, the amount of maternity leave, the flexibility, how much monitoring does the company do, how much time tracking. Some people, I think most people, hate tracking their time. So you know, that can lead to a lot of stress at work that's you know, not necessary. Your role, what, where do you want to be in the team? What do you want to be doing? All of these things that you can play around with and, and see and see if it's something that would make an impact. What do you value? You know, what kind of life do you want to have? How, where does your job fit in with that life? How would it support your dreams? When you have an idea of kind of what you want from those questions, you can start by trying to take action on those and seeing if that leads to a change, if that reduces the burnout, if that reduces the stress, if you find more happiness and fulfillment in your role. To make these kind of experiments possible and just to add a lot more freedom into your choices, a lot more agency. It's helpful to save money, to have a fund saved up so that you have the ability to leave a bad situation. People are stuck in bad jobs. They're stuck in broken, terrible, harmful situations far longer than they 
can handle because they can't afford to leave. It's really typical. It's not just at work. This is a life thing. And eventually that will you know, break you down. So if you have the means to, it's good to set some money aside so that if things get bad, you can walk away. It could be for quitting. It could be for sustaining your family. If you get fired for being a bad culture fit, it could be fun to start your own business and be your own boss. Or to go into freelancing and that can cover the rent for a little while so you don't have to stress. It could be a fund for developing new skills. You know, one of the most powerful ways to send a message in the work society that we're in is to remove our labor from that particular corner of the market and build things that are inclusive to us. A lot of you have the skill sets and the knowledge that are so in demand that you have the privilege to be able to to leave a bad workplace, to leave a bad situation. So there is no need to, to stick around for a long time if it's not serving you. And if you don't see what you want, then group together with other people and build, build it. Build the kind of change that you want new people coming into tech to see. If you had a rough time when you first joined tech, then build a company or be involved in building a culture that's going to be really inclusive and friendly and what you wanted when you were a junior developer. Okay, so that's all those points. So we talked about why it's important for these niche groups to make people feel seen and heard so that we're not alone. We talked about a pipeline and why toxic work culture is the main reason why people from marginalized groups, especially women, drop out of tech at such a high rate over the midpoint and later in their career. And we talked about ways to reduce harm, how to make it more sustainable, to thrive in technology, to survive and thrive as a Muslim woman in tech. Talked about personal networks, which is like tech sisters. So having a group of people that you trust and who get you, get your values, to commiserate with them, to vent, and to get their advice, to hear from them if a place is safe or not. We talked about uh, setting your boundaries and not taking on too much. And we talked about reducing harm at work and making these subtle changes, like where to where you want to work, what kind of job do you want to do. And having means set aside to make those changes possible. There's so much more that we can go into here. There's like spotting red flags at the interview stage, getting over imposter syndrome and feeling more confident. We've talked about building inclusive places. So what would that even look like? How can we do that? That feels like a really big thing to say. Maybe future one-off solo episode topics. But I just want to close it by reiterating you're valid. What you're going through is valid. What you're experiencing is valid. And how you want to address what you're going through is valid. Tech Sisters is here to support you. So if you listen to this and you feel that you need that personal network, that's what we're here for. Use Tech Sisters as that place to vent, that place to ask questions, 
or that place to see representation of people like you. You're definitely not alone. <laughs> I hope this helped. Let me know what was your favorite part of the episode. Let me know if there's anything here that really got to you, that really went to your heart. And please remember to leave us a rating or a review. If you don't know how to do that, I have a link in the show notes. It would really help the show a lot. That would help more people discover the show. And it takes like five seconds. If you've liked this episode, if any of the Texas episodes have impacted you positively, please let us know. It'd make me really happy for sure. And yeah, I'll see you next week. Not by myself. I'll have a guest next week, inshallah. Yeah. See you next time. Assalamu alaikum.